This past Wednesday, May 20th, was the final TV broadcast of David Letterman's Late Show after 22 years on CBS. Letterman was noted, among other things, for his top ten lists throughout most of those years. Now, I don't watch late night television for two reasons. First, I don't stay up late. (laughs) And second, I don't have TV connection for either network or cable TV. But I did learn that Letterman had retired, and I decided to borrow his top ten approach for today's message. What I share with you today from God's Word, the top ten biblical principles about dating won't ever appear on network or cable television. And for two reasons. One, because I wrote this message, and I'm not famous, and that's okay. And second, because these ten principles and the twenty texts of Scripture that I want to give you this morning are not part of the fabric of life for most Americans, and certainly not on the to-do list of TV executives. But if children and young people and unmarried adults here this morning want to know what God says about this vital subject, there's a lot to learn and apply this morning. Let me state at the outset, by the way, that dating as we know it today was not part of the culture of the Old or New Testaments. Courtship and arranged marriages were in vogue then. But there's nothing wrong with dating or courtship rituals today. This is uh, a different time, and this isn't the Middle East. But I want to give you what I believe are the top ten principles in God's Word, the Bible, for those who want to have close friends of the opposite sex and who are thinking about marriage someday. And with each text, as you'll see in your notes, I've given you a place to write down one other reference so that with all of these together, we'll get a very complete picture of how God views these relationships and what His will is for us in this key area of life for singles. And the rest of us who are not single need to know these principles too so that we can give biblical advice to our friends and families. So, principle number 10. Determine what is most important to you. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. A related passage, jot it down in your notes if you'd like. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. It reads almost the same way. It says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You might have noticed, I hope you did, that Paul writes these passages to both of them to a young man named Timothy. As far as we can tell from Scripture, Timothy was a single man serving the Lord with his mentor, the Apostle Paul. He needed to hear these words of challenge, and so do we. He needed to decide what he was going to pursue in life. The lusts of the flesh or godly character traits. You probably also took note of the fact in both of those texts that Timothy is told right up front, flee these things. That word flee means run. Get away from it. And 
He's talking about running from lust and in the context of 1 Timothy 6 about running away from the pursuit of money just for the sake of having money. Also in both of those texts, Timothy is told to pursue some godly character traits, to go after them with drive and purpose. Traits like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, peace, perseverance, gentleness. Those seven qualities would benefit him so much in his relationship with others, especially with young women as a young man himself. And those character traits are going to benefit you and me in our relationships with others. And if you're single, they're going to benefit you in terms of your friendships and dating opportunities. Those godly character traits are worth more to pursue than anything else than fulfilling your fleshly desires or making lots of money. Accompanying those godly qualities is the next principle also addressed to Timothy. Principle number nine. Be respectful of those of the opposite sex. Listen to 1 Timothy 5 verse 2. Appeal to the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all Purity. The key word for today's message is that word purity. And you'll hear it again and again in this message. And in God's Word, you'll read about it. Be respectful of those of the opposite sex. That principle and the next one we'll look at are tied closely together. In fact, all of these principles tie together around that subject of purity in our daily thought life and in our actions. Paul urges Timothy to treat young women in the church like he would his sister in a pure way morally and in terms of his, of his thoughts about those women. Two of the best ways for young people to follow these principles are these. Keep your hands to yourself and keep your mind off of sexual things so that inappropriate words do not come out of your mouth. What do I mean? I mean don't talk about body parts and sexual activity with those of the opposite sex. And also be careful about making jokes about the subject, even when you're with those of the same gender, like guys in the locker room. Just don't do it. Instead, run from immorality. Here's another text that says the same thing. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Jot that in your notes. Paul says there, flee immorality, run from immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. There's a really disturbing trend today among a lot of young people. Pew Research Center indicates that 20% of all teens have sent sexually explicit texts or pictures to other teens on their phones. Young people, you need to especially be careful about using technology for illicit purposes. Use it instead for all the good that it can do. And there's much good to it. If you struggle with wrong images or distasteful texts in your computer or on your cell phone, maybe you need to get rid of the computer or the cell phone. I know that sounds harsh, but I mean that very seriously. 
I've had too many conversations with too many young men in particular who struggled with pornography and I've told them get rid of the computer your walk with God your purity of mind and body is more important than owning a laptop or an Android device so that leads to this next principle number eight keep yourself morally pure 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says for this is the will of God your sanctification that's a big word it means your holiness your set apartness to God and then Paul describes it that is that you abstain from sexual immorality once a person steps over the line and engages in intimate sexual conduct you've not only disrespected this other person but you've disrespected the very body God gave you and you've also disobeyed what down in your heart you know is against God's will in this matter a single person cannot say well I prayed about it and I felt God was telling me that it was okay to be intimate with this other person because we love each other no God did not tell that person that that person lusted instead of loved and they let their passion overrule God's principles you see God designed sex for marriage marriage only and any intimacy outside of marriage violates his word and his plan for your life here's one more text that speaks to this issue 1 Corinthians 6 verse 13 food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food (laughs) and I agree with that I like food but God will do away with both of them yet the body is not for immorality but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body did you hear that statement the body is not for immorality that word immorality translated there comes from a Greek word porneia it's the word we get pornography from But in the Greek and Roman cultures, and in their writings, as well as in the Word of God, it means much more than just pornography. It means any kind of sexual sin outside of marriage. And I don't need to give you the list, do I? Yes, God designed us to be sexual beings. That's pretty obvious by the way He made our bodies. But the text says plainly, the body is not for immorality. It's for loving, caring, giving intimacy in the marriage relationship alone. So someone might ask this morning, you don't need to ask it out loud, but someone might ask, what if I have already used my body for something wrong? What if I've already slept with someone or did something inappropriate with my body or theirs answer confess that to God as sin claim his forgiveness and by his power determine to maintain from now on purity in thought and practice the Jewish leaders came to Jesus one day with a woman caught in the very act of adultery they didn't bring the man Jesus said to them whoever among you is without sin let him cast the first stone they all walked away Jesus was left with that adulterous woman but here's what he said to her 
Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Those words, go and sin no more, would be impossible to live by if it weren't for Jesus Christ and the transforming power of His blood. He can enable us to go and sin no more in this area of sexual sin. But there's positive reinforcement in that verse as well. That's worth pointing out. The Lord is for the body. I think we can take that two ways, honestly. One way is, the body is for the Lord. That is, these bodies were ultimately designed for God and to do His will and His bidding. But also, the way it's printed in our text is a wonderful way to consider the human body. The Lord is for the body. I take that to mean that God is for us, not against us. He's for the body, not against the body. God is for sex in marriage, not against it. In fact, He's all for it. I'll throw in one extra verse for free this morning. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor, and the marriage bed undefiled. It's obvious that many people today reject the biblical approach to the human body. And they love to influence us to follow their evil ways of thinking. So this next principle joins the ranks of God's very valuable counsel for all of us. That's principle number seven. Don't let so-called friends influence you to do something outside of your value system. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's difficult today. It's always been difficult to say no to peer pressure. But the Bible is abundantly clear to all of us that having the wrong friends, those that would lead us astray, is a recipe for disaster when it comes to maintaining our standards and our values and keeping ourselves pure. There's an old fable that's been passed down for generations about an elderly man who was traveling with a boy and a donkey. As they walked through the village, the man was leading the donkey and the boy was walking behind. The townspeople said the man was a fool for not riding on the donkey. So to please them, he got on the donkey and rode it. The next village they got to, the villagers said that it was cruel for him to be on the Uh, donkey while his son was walking behind him. So he got off and let the son ride the donkey. They got to the next village and there in the third village people accused the child of being lazy and making the old man walk. And the suggestion from that village was that they both ride the donkey. So they did. They got to a fourth village and the townspeople were very upset because of cruelty to the donkey since he was made to carry two people. The frustrated man was last seen carrying the donkey down the road. (laughs) We can so easily be influenced by our peers. But listen, what other people think with their different standards and values, what they think is okay, what they think is permissible or even cool to do, is not the measure of our conduct. Here's another verse to write in this 
in your text, in your notes. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 It says plainly, abstain from every appearance or every form of evil. To abstain means what you think it does. It means to stay away from it. Or to use a previous word that I used, that the biblical text used, flee, run, get away from it. So if some friend urges you to go to a party where there's going to be alcohol or drugs, you simply say emphatically, no. If you lose friends over it, so be it. It's better than losing your mind or losing your virginity. If a current boyfriend or girlfriend tries to talk you into some sexual activity or inappropriate touching or making out, you need to end that relationship as quickly as you can. Please think about this for a moment. You have to know this. While the world makes a mockery of virginity, the Bible exalts virginity. The Bible honors that. And not only does the Bible honor it, but the Holy Spirit will help a person remain a virgin if we'll accept that help. I want to be very clear about something. Not everyone is doing it. It's pretty plain. Let me give you a biblical illustration of this principle. It comes from the book of Genesis in the life of Joseph. He was sent to Egypt. He got a job working for Potiphar in his house. He was in charge of everything. Potiphar's wife tried again and again and again to get Joseph to go to bed with her. Joseph answered her in two different ways. First he told her up front, I can't do this and sin against my master or sin against my God. Second, when she tried to force him to make love to her, he ran from the house. Ran. It cost Joseph years of wrongful imprisonment to take that godly stand. He was determined to keep his godly values. It would have been an even more sad prison, a devilish one, if he had given in. So don't let anyone put you in that prison of guilt or shame because they talked you into doing something outside of your standards. Instead, let other godly people help keep you accountable and let them advise you about making right choices, which brings me to principle number six. Surround yourself with godly advisors. Here's what Proverbs 15.22 says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. And a similar text, Proverbs 24, verse 6, says, For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in the abundance of counselors there is victory. It can be very frustrating today to be in the middle of two sets of voices. One set of voices saying, Hey, it's your body, your life, do whatever you want, go for it and those who would counsel you to walk in purity and in a godly manner and take a stand for God and for truth no matter what. And that's where godly advice and counsel come into play. If your parents are solid Christians, you already know they want the very best for you. And they will help you and advise you 
about making wise decisions concerning dating and having long-term relationships with someone of the opposite sex. If your parents are not godly Christians, or if they seem disinterested in your dating life, I'm here to tell you there are lots of other good Christian people, like people in this church, who will help you. Find someone of your same gender, tell them what's going on in your life, and ask them to advise you biblically and to pray for you, and they will. I love that statement in Proverbs 24.6. In the abundance of counselors, there is victory. You see, I know already that your godly Christian parents want you to have victory in your personal life, and so do I. But God wants it even more. Amen? He wants it even more. And He provides it through a relationship with Jesus Christ and through the indwelling Holy Spirit who gives you the power to say no to the wrong choices in life and yes to those decisions that will mark you out as a victorious soldier of Jesus Christ. So on this memorial weekend, remember the world is a battlefield, spiritually speaking. God wants you to fight courageously and claim victory over those opposing forces that would seek to ruin your life and leave you desperate and defeated. And He'll show you how to do it. You just need to ask Him, which brings us to the next principle, number five. Ask God in prayer for His wisdom. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And then back in the Old Testament, Job chapter 12, verse 13, it says, With him, that is God, are wisdom and might. To him belong counsel and understanding. Those two verses make it very clear that you can know what God's will is for your life. What He wants you to do about dating and about friendship relationships, about marriage or singleness, God will help you to know. Wisdom dwells with God, the one passage said. But it's exciting to know that He's open-handed with that wisdom. He wants to share it with you. Just ask. He gives wisdom generously, and He'll never say to you, What? You again? Didn't you ask me this before? That's not God. The James 1.5 text promises that He will give you wisdom. And it's in the context of the testing of your faith. Today, I believe this area of sexual purity and God-honoring relationships is an area for young people especially that is a, a test of your faith. So God stands ready to guide and guard and give you some very specific wisdom. Wisdom is defined by some as the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on the knowledge of God's Word. Who wouldn't want that kind of wisdom? I can't imagine somebody saying, ah, I don't need that. But again, that knowledge comes from the Bible. So this next principle is very, very important. Number four, spend much time in God's Word. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Answer, by keeping it according to your Word. If we're going to have God's wisdom on this matter of dating and friends, we need to be constantly in the Word. I became a Christian when I was a young boy at age six. 
I had the privilege of growing up in a home where we had family devotions at night, and I thank God and my parents for that. I'm so grateful. But it wasn't until I dedicated my life to the Lord when I was 16 and told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, not knowing that that was going to be to be a preacher. But that's when I began being serious about reading the Bible every day for myself. What a huge difference it made for me in high school. And when I graduated in 1969 and went off to Bible college, it was a huge boost to my walk with God. And it will be for you as well. Being in God's Word every day, even if it's just for a few minutes, and after a a prayer for understanding, that's going to help you stay strong in the Lord and stand up to the pressures to give in to ungodly thinking and unwholesome activities. If you're jotting down notes, here's another text to add to your list. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. The godly man, it says, puts his delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. You want to have a prosperous, successful life spiritually? Stay in God's Word. John Bunyan wrote the Christian classic, Pilgrim's Progress. In the front cover of his Bible, he wrote these words. Many people have used them. He wrote, either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. This principle could not be expressed more emphatically by a fellow believer than by what John Bunyan said. It's your choice, my choice. We can either be in God's Word regularly and find wisdom and power to do things God's way, to run from sin, or we can ignore the Bible and we're going to consistently fail when temptation hits us from all angles and when subversive voices call out, for us to go with our feelings over truth. Feelings are never the right judge for the right kind of activity. One piece of advice I would give you based on God's Word is that time is on your side, young people. Don't be in a hurry to have a deep relationship or even to get married. That leads to principle number three. Celebrate your singleness at this time and use it to God's advantage. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32 says, One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Now, Paul doesn't mean in that passage that married people have no concern about what God wants. But his point simply is that a single person can devote all of their energies and efforts, all their time and talents, all their thoughts and actions to the work of the Lord where a married person has other responsibilities, good ones at that that they have to factor in. There are great benefits to being single, not the least of which is that you can do whatever you want, or better yet, whatever God wants, without having to consult a husband or a wife. But one downside to singleness is the emotional stress that comes with dating or developing a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Gloria and I have discussed this many times in recent years. If something happens to either of us, the other one is not going to remarry. In part because neither of us wants to be back in the dating scene. It's tough. 
It's so easy to give your heart away and then get burned. I've heard of more than one story of a person who thought they had an exclusive relationship only to be crushed by the knowledge that their significant other had another other. (laughs) So Solomon tells his sons in Proverbs 4.23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Literally, that Proverbs 4.23 text says, Stand guard over your heart. Or shield your heart diligently. Why? Because all of life springs from the heart, from the center of our emotions. If you're in a battle, like many of our dedicated men and women in the military have been over the years, if you're in a battle and you take a shot to the arm or the leg, you're going to bleed, certainly. But you can get medical help and you will likely survive. But if you take a shot directly to the heart, your chances of survival are slim. And it's true emotionally and relationally too. Not long ago we uh, did a series in the book of Ephesians and I made this shield to uh, look a little bit like the size of the shield that Roman soldiers used in the first century. It was called a full body shield. And obviously it can protect all the vital organs including the heart. And in that passage, Ephesians chapter 6, as the Apostle Paul talks to all believers about the spiritual warfare that goes on all around us, he says to all Christians, and I'm applying it this morning to young people, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, the wicked one, Satan. And boy, those darts are flying around. And he's not the only one shooting them. So I would challenge you, put your faith in God. Have faith in His plan for your life. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin. That personal relationship with Jesus leads to this next principle. Number two, date and plan to marry someone who is a committed Christian. God's ideal is for one man and one woman for life with that man and that woman being Christians, knowing Jesus as Savior. Old Testament Jews, for example, were commanded to not marry outside of their faith. There's a reason for that. The Apostle Paul writes on that same subject, not only in the verse I just quoted, but in a whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But listen to this Old Testament verse for a moment. It certainly fits in this category. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, King James Version. Can two men walk together unless they are agreed? I want to ask for a show of hands this morning. How many have ever been involved in a three-legged race? Okay, quite a few. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Provides a lot of laughs. But in order to win, you have to be coordinated. You have to run in the same direction. You have to work together well, especially with those two legs that are tied together in the middle. I urge you strongly this morning, young people, to only date and only plan to marry someone who's a Christian. But I want to go a step further. I want to challenge you to only date and only plan to marry someone who is a committed Christian. 
if that other person has a ho-hum attitude about spiritual things, about the church, about the Bible, about prayer, about how to raise godly children, you're going to have struggles beyond the usual struggles that all married people have. So find someone you agree with on spiritual things. Other issues aren't that important. You know, if you disagree about which car to buy or what to watch on TV that night or what to have for supper, those things can be worked out to a mutually satisfying resolution. But if it has to do with the things of God, it's not going to be easy. The best way to pray in that situation is for that unbeliever to get saved or for the uncommitted Christian to get serious. But I'll take one step further since I'm not tied to anybody this morning in a three-legged race. I'll take one step further and say, you need to be a committed Christian. Don't you be the one who is ho-hum about God. God's plan for a Christian home is the best plan there is, and that leads us to this final principle. Number one biblical principle on dating. Thank God that He has your life all planned out. And it will be good because He is good. God has a plan for you. Trust the plan and work the plan. And it's a good plan because it comes from a good God. If you wait for God's timing, for His plan as to the person you should date seriously or to marry, the person who will become your lifelong mate, God will lead you to the right person. And you'll never look back and you'll never look bad in that God-ordained relationship. Last November, Gloria and I celebrated 42 years of married life together. And I put this on Facebook and I want to share part of it with you this morning. Here's what I wrote. 42 years ago, Gloria and I walked down the aisle at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan and spoke our vows to each other as husband and wife. Vows that mean more now than then. Among other things, I said to her, I, William J. Bagley, take thee, Gloria Lee Miles, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. And now, 15,330 days later, I mean those words with a freshness that only love can measure. When King Lemuel asks in Proverbs 31, verse 1, Who can find a virtuous woman? I can respond joyfully, Me! I did. But more accurately, God found her for me. And I praise Him for that. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I'm here to tell you this morning, based on Scripture and my own personal experience, that if you'll let Him, God will direct your steps on that road to a satisfying and spiritual relationship that will honor Him and bless you and your life's partner. I know how richly blessed I've been to be married to Gloria. Now let me wrap up this message this morning. Lecrae Devon Moore, simply known as Lecrae, is an American Christian rapper R-A-P-P-E-R for us old people songwriter, record producer, actor he's president and co-founder of a company called Reach Records 
At a recent conference appearance here in 2015, he told the story of a trip he'd taken to Hollywood where he stopped in at a department store to buy a plain cotton t-shirt. He pulled one off the rack and noticed the price tag and thought to himself, something's wrong here. This must be a mistake. So he pulled another one to find the same price. He approached a salesperson to question the exorbitant price, $640 for a t-shirt. The salesperson told him the price was correct. $640 was the special sale price. He began to question what could be so special about this t-shirt. He asked her, am I going to be healed of some disease when I put this on? Or am I going to get some kind of superpower? She replied, it's the designer's name on it that adds value to it. So he said to the crowd that day, and I say to you this morning, do you understand how valuable you are because of whose name is on you? Do you understand your worth and value come from His name, not yours? Yes, we are made in the very image of the living God. He designed us. He designed marriage. He has created us to do His will and His work. Our only right response is to give Him our lives by faith and then to live them with a God-glorifying passion. Whether we're single or we get married and walk that road together. We're going to close the service this morning by singing a song. It's a modern adaptation of the old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And the chorus simply says emphatically, I am yours. And I want to challenge all of the single people this morning, whatever your age, all the single people, don't give in to peer pressure on this, but if this song represents your heart this morning after hearing this message especially if the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart I want to invite you to come up here to the front because I want to pray for you at the close of the service so after we begin singing it and get into it a little bit especially when we get to the chorus please come up if that's you if this is your heart's desire if this is your testimony to the Lord this morning those of you who are single So let's sing it together, and once we're underway singing it, I invite you to come. Sing it with me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Get up on your feet and come, will you? And let me sing always only for my King. Always only. 
single person this morning, and this song is your testimony. Come, please. Yours set apart for you. I am yours, hungry for your truth. Take my life. You are all I live for. I am yours. Any others? Please come. I want to pray for you. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. It shall be thy royal throne. I am yours, set apart for you. I am yours, hungry for your truth. Take my life, you are all I live for. I am yours, I am yours, set apart for you. I am yours, hungry for your truth. Take my life, you are all I live for. Take my life, you are all I live for. Take my life, you are all I live for. I am yours. Sing it again. I am yours. I am yours. Amen. I want to invite all of you to join me in prayer for these single folks this morning, these young people, and that commitment to say to Him, Take my life, I'm yours. Let's pray. Father, thank You for these who've come this morning, not under peer pressure, but prompted by the Holy Spirit. They've come to say with that closing song, Take my life, I'm yours. Oh God, I pray that they will indeed be hungry for Your truth, that they'll realize they are set apart for You, that You set them apart. You made them holy. And that they can live godly lives even in this difficult world. Help them to make wise choices, to get good counsel and advice, to spend time in Your Word. All of these principles we've talked about this morning. Help them to stay pure. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday, and we'll have dinner together after church. Have a great week.